0: Welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast Marketing and Sales Closing the Value Gap. On behalf of the entire Strategy Driven team, I would like to welcome you to this edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast Marketing and Sales closing the value gap the strategy driven podcast focuses on the tools and techniques executives and managers can use to improve their organization's alignment and accountability to ultimately achieve superior results these podcasts elaborate on the best practice and warning flag articles found on the strategy driven website at www.strategydriven.com in this episode Lou Schachter Managing Director, Global Sales Practice, and Rick Cheatham, North American Sales Practice Leader at BTS USA, share with us their insights on the evolution of business-to-business selling processes and the gap between what customers want and what their service providers and vendors provide. We'll explore the value of focusing on customers' business results and how to implement such an approach so to earn greater customer loyalty and higher profits. So now, without any further delays, let's get started. We are privileged to be joined by Lou Schachter, Managing Director, Global Sales Practice, and Rick Cheatham, Senior Vice President, Partner, Global Sales Practice at BTS, a leading firm in the development and delivery of high-impact experiential learning initiatives that drive alignment, mindset, and capability around strategic priorities. Lou and Rick, welcome to the Strategy Driven Podcast. Thanks for having us. It's great to have you both on the show. BTS recently published a study that was focused on closing the value gap between how salespeople sell and what their customers are looking for. Lou, to establish the context for our discussion, would you describe the evolution of the sales process and, in particular, what customers are looking for today?
1: Sure, Nathan. It's really interesting. Historically, selling was all about products and the best salespeople had great product knowledge and were able to match the right product to the right need of their customer. Over time, though, product selling really became commoditized for a couple of reasons. One is the advent of the Internet, which made product information available to almost every customer. And the second is that in virtually every industry, lower cost providers entered the market and drove down prices and margins. That all created the need for the next phase of selling, which was solution selling. And solution selling, which most people are familiar with, is a way of packaging together different products and services to solve a problem the customer is having. And usually that's a problem that surrounds the place where the need was in the business. That for a long time was quite effective. But what we've seen in the last few years is that even solution selling is commoditized today. Most companies offer it. Customers have come to expect it. It's not enough to differentiate yourself in the marketplace. Over the last few years, what we at BTS were able to identify is really the next wave of selling, and that focuses on the overall business results that the customer is trying to achieve. And the role of the salesperson becomes one of an accelerator who helps the customer get to those desired business results faster. Of course, you still sell products and you still provide solutions, but you do that in a way that accelerates the customer's business results.
0: And I have to admit, I was one of those individuals that was trained in the classic first product and then solution selling and can really appreciate the value of accelerator selling and Rick my question to you then is what is the real value of accelerator selling both to the potential customer and to the organization whose salespeople are practicing this method
1: sure it's uh, it, it's quite simple for both and it it turns into better results faster. And so what that looks like from the customer's perspective is that instead of having a salesperson that is more focused on themselves and what they're trying to accomplish on any given day, you end up with a partner who is bringing you new ideas and helping you to think differently possibly about some of the challenges you have today and the opportunities you have tomorrow. So uh, it really becomes a more consultative, partnership way of looking at the salespeople that call on you. And for those salespeople who behave in this way, you're significantly separated from all of the other salespeople who are tripping through that customer's office on a given day, talking about the crisis at the moment. I think, generally speaking, no matter their style, an accelerator seller will will show up as a breath of fresh air in their customer's business. And their customers will want to spend more time with them versus taking the obligatory hour-long meeting and trying to squeeze it down into 45 minutes. So I would say in the end, for both the customer and the selling organization, you've got a much tighter relationship that builds on each other's mutual success
0: more quickly. And, Lou, from the study, how significant is the gap between the selling approach the customers desire and that which their service providers and vendors are employing?
1: Well, it's pretty powerful, the message that customers are telling us. Only 15% of customers actually describe the way they are sold to as accelerator selling, so that 85% of customers are not getting accelerator selling. When we ask them what percentage of different customers want accelerator selling, 55% of them do. So that 55% of customers only get accelerator selling 15% of the time. Now, what's fascinating is that customers tell us that when they get the kind of selling that they want, when they get this accelerator results-focused selling, they buy more from those salespeople and they pay higher prices for what they buy because they know the ROI is there in terms of improved business results on the back end. There's no more powerful way right now to distinguish yourself as a salesperson or as a sales organization than by ensuring that you sell in a way and then deliver in a way that focuses on the customer's business results and making them happen faster.
0: Now, Rick, I'm going to regress just for a moment. And I assume then that some customers still prefer that product and or solution selling approach as a salesperson how do I go about identifying the sales approach that my customer desires so that I might apply the right behaviors and approaches when I'm working with that person
1: you really have to almost think about that word customer in a a couple of different ways and what I mean by that is the potential customer organization and the individuals that make buying decisions within that customer. Uh, And so it's quite possible that different people on a buying committee may want different approaches. So I just wanted to clarify that from the beginning. But uh, the easiest way to tell from a distance is how does that potential customer position themselves in the marketplace? If somebody goes out to market and says, we're the low-price leader, and everything in business journals and on the on the web says these people are driving efficiency and they're the low-price leader no matter what, the odds that they want to have a strategic business conversation with the people that are calling on them are significantly less. Doesn't mean there aren't opportunities to, to have those kinds of conversations. It's just going to be less. Conversely, when somebody comes to the marketplace and positions themselves as a value provider, they're going to be looking for partners who will do the same. So from a distance, that's the easiest way to take. but the reality is anytime you're on site with a client or a potential customer, you need to be prepared to do all three. How many of us have been in those sales meetings where we were expecting a demo conversation with a low-level buyer, and wouldn't you know it, his or her boss's boss walks into the room and it's just curious about what you guys are talking about. So the best of the best have built out in their heads potential scenarios of how to approach the individuals within the client base at any given time.
0: And I can relate to that situation as I've been in that particular predicament myself.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it, we all have. Anybody that that's carried a bag, so to speak, has has found themselves in that spot that that person that you didn't think was going to be in the meeting
0: is. Sure. Sure. Well, Lou, would you briefly describe the difference in the selling behaviors between an individual that is practicing accelerator selling and those individuals who practice product and or solution selling?
1: Sure. And I think I can explain them in a really simple way. And just as context, I recently heard a sales leader say there are only two conversations that matter in the world of sales, the conversation between the sales manager and the rep and the conversation between the rep and the customer. And the way I'll distinguish between these three different types of selling is obviously all about that conversation between the rep and the customer. In a product-focused conversation, The salesperson is organizing the discussion around the customer's product or service needs that they need to fulfill. What's important to them? What are the features they need? In a solutions selling approach, the salesperson is identifying problems or issues or challenges that the customer has and needs to resolve. And the conversation is about the pain of those challenges and the way fixing those challenges could help that specific customer. Now, in an accelerator or results-focused conversation, that focuses on the business results that the customer's company is trying to achieve, what business trends they're experiencing, what their strategic priorities are, what initiatives are in place, what business challenges they are encountering with the overall business. It's a discussion about the business as a whole rather than that buying center or the business processes that that buying center supports.
0: I almost relate that to, in some respects, to organizational level, just from my personal experience. It seems that the higher up in the organization I go, the behaviors of accelerator selling become more applicable than when I'm down lower in the organization.
1: That certainly can be the case, but there are very frequently people that are lower in an organization that are passionate about their business and want to make more of an impact on the business and are looking for opportunities to impact the business beyond their current role. And conversely, there can be senior executive buyers that have already decided that they're going to buy a pen. It's just a question of do they want the blue felt tip or the black ballpoint. So they want a product sale. And if you come in and try to have a result conversation around what they hope to achieve with their pin, they'll become very impatient and frustrated and in an effort to become more strategically relevant, only become annoying.
0: Well, Rick, to elaborate on that just a bit more, when putting the accelerator selling behaviors into practice, could you paint a picture of what that business result sales conversation looks like as compared to the product or solution sales conversation? Sure.
1: It would probably be easier for me to start with a product or a solution selling conversation to build the baseline. And, you know, I'll I'll often joke that that product sales conversation, if it's not what you're wanting and it's not what you're expecting, feels like a bad date. Because all I'm going to do is talk about myself and how wonderful I am and how I'm better than anybody else you've ever met. And again, if you're not expecting it, it can be really challenging and you can't get out of there fast enough. Similarly, a solution based conversation, if you're only focused on today's problems and you actually are doing it as most people are classically trained to execute these conversations, they begin to feel negative and manipulative potentially. Because if all you're wanting to do is, is make me feel worse about the things that are already worrying me, it's going to be a challenging time for us to spend together. Conversely, these accelerator conversations, the results-focused conversations, are really meant to break down the barriers. They're meant to to open the mind of the customer to new ideas and and what's possible. And not all High in the sky stuff. We are living in the real world, but the intention is to focus on opportunities to achieve results that the customer isn't already thinking of. And so the conversations tend to be much more positive, tend to be much more forward-facing. And again, the, the best people at doing this are capable of building a clear vision in the customer's head of what it's going to look like when I'm ultimately successful, when I achieve that 8% growth target, when the new product is launched and and the consumers love it. Whatever those results are that the customer is trying to achieve, they get a clear picture in their head of what that looks like and how partnering with you as the seller is going to get them there faster.
0: That leads me to, I think, a question a lot of our listeners are probably formulating for themselves right now, and that is when I'm using the accelerator selling approach, how do I go about identifying the customer's desired business results and the underlying drivers of those outcomes, particularly given the complexity of today's organizations and marketplace?
1: Well, there's there's probably a couple of different approaches, and uh, Lou and I might actually, given our own personal style, do this uh, a little bit differently, but it doesn't mean that either is wrong or better. For me, I would focus more on observation and being very present with the customer and listening very intently to what they're focused on and reflect on my other experiences with similar customers. So if others have tried an initiative or a specific product launch, what did I learn by helping another customer that I can use in this particular opportunity? And and what are the results likely to be? You know, I'm assuming we're talking here about in-process measures and KPIs as we go along, not just the overall profitability number for the year that I can get out of the annual report. And the third thing from my perspective would be, to talk to the other people in your own organization. If I was a sales leader coming along, one of the things that I'd very frequently tell my folks to do is if you're struggling with a proposal that you're putting together for a purchasing manager, go talk to one of our purchasing managers and have her analyze it and give you feedback and tell you what she would most likely challenge and, and what she would be trying to achieve out of this type of a deal. So there's lots of ways that just in engaging your own experience and observation and people that are around you that that you can get to what are those results that, that the customer probably needs to achieve that they're not necessarily
0: publishing. Now, Rick, would you suggest that we focus on the results that the individual executive we're interfacing with is personally responsible for, or should we take a more holistic view of the organization and think of the organizational outcomes that the company is trying to achieve?
1: I bet you're not surprised at all when I say both. (laughs) As you look at, most major purchasing decisions these days are made with a buying committee or a steering team or, or, you know, it's called different things in almost every organization. But each individual on that team has a set of KPIs that they're measured against and that they're looking at the return on this investment through that lens. So if I can't draw a clear line of sight from the results that partnering with me achieves for the head of operations and the head of marketing, and I just focus on the overall impact of the business, I'm less likely to get those folks on my side if there's any sort of conflict within the buying community. Conversely, if I can both build that clear line of sight for each member of the buying team, and then on top of that, clarify how achieving those individual KPIs get them to the overall business results they're trying to achieve, then I've got a a clear path that is more likely to win.
0: I have to agree. That's where I usually find myself achieving success in the sales process is when I can align the executive's personal goals with those of the organization. And it's through that alignment that it creates the win-win-win for everybody, that tends to more often than not lead to that sale. Exactly. Lou, in a previous conversation with Robin Addle, also from BTS, we discussed the growing deficiency in business acumen knowledge and skills among executives and managers. How does this deficiency impact the ability of salespeople to implement the accelerator selling process?
1: Historically, it was not that important that salespeople had strong business acumen. In order to be a great product salesperson, you needed good relationship-building skills and great product knowledge. And when solution selling came along, you also needed good consultative selling skills. You needed problem-solving skills, the ability to find where the pain points were in the customer's business processes. But there's no way that you can accelerate the customer's business results without understanding what those results are and what the impediments are to achieving those results. So we often talk about how important it is to have a conversation with the customer about who their customers are, what their value proposition is to their customers, what market trends they're experiencing, what business challenges they face, what metrics they use to measure success. Without business acumen, we find that salespeople might be able to ask the right first question, but when they hear the answer from the person that they're working with, they often don't know how to follow up or don't know how to articulate the value of their offering and getting to those desired results faster. Part of our research actually asks customers what types of knowledge about the customer's business salespeople should have. And the top three, beyond just understanding what it is they're trying to buy, are number one, the customer's business challenges, number two, the customer's strategic priorities, And number three, the customer's business objectives and metrics, how they measure their progress against those objectives. That's a really great place for salespeople to start. And there are lots of ways that salespeople can build that knowledge. Certainly, if they are calling on publicly held companies, there's a tremendous amount of information on the web. And even for privately held companies, if you ask the people that you do have relationships with the right questions, you'll begin to gather that information.
0: If you don't mind, Lou, I have maybe an extension to that question. Sure. And that is, if a salesperson has good business acumen, but maybe the executive or manager in the organization that they're working with has some deficiency or lack of business acumen, does that also challenge the sales process?
1: You know, most executives, regardless of their level of business acumen, have a set of business results that they are working toward. And if an executive is actually weak in the area of business acumen, it's an opportunity for a strong salesperson to help them achieve those results faster. One of the great things that strong salespeople do is to help the clients they call on to build the internal business cases for what they're trying to accomplish. And I would see a client who was a little bit weaker in business acumen as an opportunity to really be a partner to them and help them achieve what they're trying to do both professionally, as Rick was mentioning, and personally, as he uh, said as well.
0: Rick, for those listeners who would like to implement an accelerator selling approach within their organizations, what actions do you recommend that they take?
1: My answer here actually might surprise you Well, I thought my last one wouldn't. I think that they should be really careful one thing that people will often say is that salespeople are stubborn or that they're cynical. Without taking a step back and realizing why they resist change, many times we don't take the time to recognize a change in behavior that fails directly impacts their livelihood, and their success in the past is going to be more more often than anything else going to dictate their behavior in the future. So we look at three things when trying to create any sort of behavioral change in the sales force, and especially something as significant as a shift in sales methodology. The first is alignment. We want to be completely clear that everybody at all levels of the sales organization, including the sales managers, understand the new definition of excellence. They all need to, to be able to see from a distance what great looks like. The second, and this is the most difficult, is that they have to believe that changing their behavior is going to be best for their customers, them as individuals, and the organizations that they work for, probably in that order. Because, you know, when they think about business results, they think about happy customers, they think about their Bonus check at the end of the quarter, and they think about the overall business results of the company third more often than not. And then secondly, if we get them to really understand the new definition of sales excellence, and we get them to believe that that's what's best for everyone, it it actually becomes quite easy to build their capability to get them to use new tools, to get them to use new processes get them to experiment with asking different types of questions and engaging customers differently. So the short version of the answer is be very thoughtful in, in your approach and asking something different of your salespeople and make sure they have that clear understanding of what's expected and they believe it's the right thing to do and give them small chances to win before you expect radical change.
0: Lou and Rick, I want to thank you both not only for your time, but for sharing your insights on closing the gap between sales approach customers want and the approach that their service providers and vendors provide. More importantly, I hope our listeners will take the time to assess and align their sales organization's approach with the needs of their customers so to yield greater loyalty and higher profits. Thank you again for joining us.
1: You're very welcome.
0: Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Strategy Driven Podcast. I would like to personally thank Lou Schachter, and Rick Cheatham for being with us today and sharing their insights on closing the gap between the sales approach customers want and that which their service providers and vendors provide. As always, we would appreciate receiving your feedback by email at podcast at If you enjoyed the show, please consider recommending us on iTunes and visiting our website at www.strategydriven.com. You can find more information about Lou Schachter and Rick Cheatham and BTSUSA at www.bts.com. Until next time, so long.